Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, nepotism reaches new heights. We welcome my dad on the podcast to discuss 55 years of ministry wisdom as we conclude our series on worship. Welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode 24. I've given up. I know. Um, Feel in Swansea. So here's, so, so the Swansea or whatever so, at the end, that's the 20. Yeah. It's four and 20. Four and Svea, 20. Or Fia und Swansea. Mm, I'll remember that for sure. Which is 210. You know what we should do is in the show notes, we should explain like how to pronounce that. So then you just also learn something. You learn a second language listening to our podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jeff over there is Tim. And across from me is Josie. We have an empty chair uh, that will be filled very soon. And I'm very excited about that, but welcome back to the podcast. Um, how's everybody doing? Fine. Yeah, I'm good. So here's the deal. Jo- <laughs> this is terrible. Were you trying to spurn conversation or well, you I was asking, asking how everybody was and yeah, it I'm seemed fine. like that was a very difficult I'm question good. to answer and Josie mm-hmm. has a new microphone and it's better than our microphones mm-hmm. and I really thought he was going to try to monopolize the conversation using this new mic it's and so far the, you've said nothing we're on the church budget and he's on his own budget I know. So he, he's br- coming in flaunting his wealth because that's biblical look at my new microphone y'all I paid the exact same amount for this microphone that we paid for all the other ones. How do you know? I thought you said it was $50 more expensive. It was $50 more expensive because it came with a shock mount. Oh. Well, I guess yours came with shock mounts too, so maybe it was $50 more of quality. Yeah, so you are you have $50 more quality than us. Guys, I um, did something today that I am not proud of. I went to McDonald's. Ooh. Okay. I know. I ate at Chick-fil-A because yeah, well, I'm a Christian. Because you love Jesus. Mm-hmm. I ate at McDonald's and... and what did you, you order? Breakfast or lunch? Lunch. Yeah. I was like right before here. So like, I don't know. I may throw up in the middle of this podcast. See, why do you ask like that or answer like that? Because breakfast is literally the only thing of halfway worth at McDonald's. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm confessing. I ate lunch there oh. and I didn't order breakfast. I did there all day. I ordered the two cheeseburger meal, but I even got the cheeseburgers plain. So it was basically two pieces of old bread, mm-hmm. one piece of old cheese, and then whatever they put that pretends is that meat like I can't and and the whole literally the whole time our our McDonald's is like what like f- 4 minutes from the church yeah, and the sure. entire time I think there's a McDonald's 4 minutes from every church I think sure. so yeah. but uh, yeah the entire time I'm like drive to Burger King drive to Burger King don't go don't do what you're about to do and the whole time I was just arguing myself going okay if the line to McDonald's is long and and I'm like going to save so much money you know and uh, and I know the body is our the temple of the Lord. You could have just went to the grocery store and got some apples and bananas. <laughs> Stop. Okay. I didn't want to get out of my car was yeah. the thing. I wanted to do drive through and McDonald's is like the absolute cheapest thing you can get that will fill you up even though it's not like totally food. So you're blaming COVID for going to McDonald's. No, I'm no. blaming. I didn't want to get out of the car. It had Laziness. nothing to do with COVID. Laziness. Gotcha. Prob- I would probably say yes. The if you're sin going of sloth. The sin of sloth and gluttony mm-hmm. at the same time. Okay. It was, uh, it was bad. Have you ever seen a sloth in person? 
Have you ever held a sloth in person? No. They're awesome. Are they really? Yeah. I mean, they're cute. My wife they're loves. Really cool. Holding yeah. one, those big claws, and they just kind of slowly like, turn their I'm head. I'm gonna to you. murder you very slowly. <laughs> they're like such cool animals. Yeah. So, uh, so I ate McDonald's today, and I don't feel great about my life choices. I'm very, I'm very mm-hmm. sad about what I did. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so today we are recording on January the 18th. It is Martin Luther King Day. MLK. Yeah, we're big fans. Of MLK. Can I tell you, though, what my issue with Martin Luther King Day is? Uh, I'm sure you're going to tell me anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess you could say no. But um, here's my issue. As soon as I got up today and the first time I jumped on Facebook, I see Martin Luther King quotes all day long. Right. Like people posting. And right. it's usually pretty much the same three. And I've my, been to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's something about love and hate. And I don't remember it. Um it annoys me how I feel like people post Martin Luther King, like his vague quotes to sort of be like, we beat racism because we posted a vague quote for Martin Luther King Jr. And I'm like, Wait, I thought there were other things he said that were hard and I never see people post those things. Like what? Just about justice and mm-hmm. about um, our, uh, you know, particularly I would, I reread today the, you know, the letter from a Birmingham jail to the Christian pastors, whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I was, convicted going we really haven't come very far since he wrote that yeah to and the white moderate he writes yeah, yeah but yeah. i mean to the to the christian to the pastors who were like okay guy slow down this isn't the time it's a little too much it's a little too uh it, this isn't the time you're an extremist and he's like dude there are people who are extremists um and i'm not them i'm saying nonviolence and 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 understand that we need to correct some things or it will turn violent. And so I'm, I'm speaking out against that. And the even the Christian leaders in the community in Birmingham were saying, um, you're an extremist and, and this ain't the time, dude. Right. And I mean, his what amazed me rereading it was to go, if I was writing that from a, a jail cell and, and I had other pastors who were speaking, I would probably lay the hammer down a little bit and be snarky. And he didn't do that at all. Like, I mean, he was direct. He was clear he laid out his case and man it was it was so powerful from jail no less not in his office right, right. from jail right and he still was pretty wise in his words and was able to, to hold back i'm sure some anger i mean because mm-hmm. you're, you're a man in the flesh you have some anger and he had a lot more reason to be angry than i do have and you ever been down to uh the memorial down in dc the mm-hmm. mlk memorial that's a pretty cool place uh yeah. six seven years ago jill and i went down on mlk day and i remember there was like uh I mean, there was a whole group of like, uh, it was, I guess you could say school field trips, but they were okay. college students. They were from like historically black colleges and they were that down there like singing and dancing. It was, I, it was, it was cool. It was like just kind yeah. of a really festive atmosphere. Of course, now with the inauguration coming up and all the security this year is like the first year since they made the MLK that you can't mm-hmm. go to it because yeah. of all the security in DC. So that's yeah. a weird year. That's a bummer. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm grateful for his his life, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the upcoming series. Which next week, uh, I'm I'm excited. I am anxious in a good way about getting into it. We have for the entire month of February, we're going to be going through a conversation on race. We're going to have four guests lined up. Um, we have four guests lined up who are going to come in and just kind of talk with us. And truly, uh, the hope is a conversation, right? right. Not, so not information, but transformation yeah. um, that we we're, we're just we're I plan on asking questions. Yeah. 
I plan on being corrected. My brother-in-law is the first one who's going to come in, and people are like, you're just pulling in your family? Yeah, I am totally, but uh, with good reason. I'm, I'm like the only man on uh, Pop's side of the family uh, who doesn't have a doctorate, so now I feel kind of lame, <laughs> but you know what? I'm the only one who has a podcast, so yeah. uh, they all can... You, you disappoint know. me, I know. and your whole family. I know. I'm a huge disappointment. Uh, so I read an article this week. Uh, it was yesterday. It was a headline... Um, the dumbest article, maybe we should start doing this. I was thinking about doing a segment called the dumbest thing we read this week. Um, I got it from the New York times, which some people like here, here, but it was the dumbest article I, I read this week was called children's screen time has soared in the pandemic, alarming parents and researchers. No, duh. And my issue was somebody got paid to write that article. How about adults screen time mm-hmm. has soared during the pandemic? So Why went, are we blaming our children now? Or So it's interesting. I went back because I had to go find the article again. The New York Times has written three articles on screen time. Uh-huh. And the first one was like back in the middle of April 2020. Right. That was kind of like everybody relax. Let the kids have a little bit more screen time. It's all about context and content. Just go watch Netflix. Just you know, you, you can you can still do it, and uh, and then a week later they wrote one that said something about um, I don't know screens one in terms of the pandemic, but talking about adults and it was had a much more like oh adults have been watching too much TV, but you know that's the way it is. And the and third then, one, they're complaining that our brains are mush. Yeah. But but just just on the kid's perspective, because it was a dad. They interviewed a dad who said he took away his son's cell phone and the son said, please, dad, don't take away my phone. That's my whole life. And the kid was like 10 or 11 or something like that. Don't a lot of kids say similar now? I don't have a child of that age. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and part of it is their world is small, but also because of the pandemic, that's all they can do like mm-hmm. to interact with people is to be on a screen or to be on play a game or do something. And, uh, and so this dad was like, I have failed. You know, he said in the article, I said to my son, I have failed you as a father. And I'm going really guy. Like if that's the case, then I'm the worst father of all time. Probably. But <laughs> my guess would my, it's so have you encouraged your children to read more during mm-hmm. this time to yeah, get they- off the screen and actually like jump into paper and book. Right. Um, Yes, sort of. For like for school, they had to read. But here's right. the thing: the reading assignment. Like my daughter Joy read The Hobbit uh, on a screen because oh, she she sure. downloaded it from a virtual library. Yeah. So like even that. But she's been carrying around the Harry Potter books and reading all those again. Uh, so I mean, yeah. yeah. So they're reading for reals. But yeah. I mean, still. And the one in the article I read said that in. I don't know the, the 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 average had been like fifty seven minutes a day and had gone up to over ninety minutes a day for kids on screens and I'm like, what in the world is happening in these families' homes? Because like there's about ninety minutes my kids aren't on screens, so I'm I felt very I didn't feel convicted. I felt, felt like convicted. people are lying. No, I feel like you're convicted. I'm not convicted. Very okay. little convicts me. It is the it is January eighteenth, and this is what I thought was really interesting. We were kind of. A little nervous. I don't. I. I don't know. I would love to hear from you. Were you nervous yesterday? Yesterday being Sunday, January seventeenth, about potential because of the rumors of the mm-hmm. armed insurrection. Yeah. No. I. Well, nervous. Uh. I don't know. Nervous. I. I would like to say no. I wasn't nervous because I've been preaching for so long that our hope is not in this country, but in the far country, our country, and so I. I mean, uh, it would ner- no. I. But I. I think I was heightened. 
yeah heightened i kept i did you know i kept kind of pulling down checking ap news is where i get all my you know kind of news from and i kept looking 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 to see if something was happening and i'm thankful but nothing yeah i thought it was weird yeah absolutely I really was concerned that we were going to have to do a whole episode reacting to that after the Capitol attack stuff. And I went, yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. I don't want to keep talking about well, tomorrow's tomorrow's the um, inauguration Wednesday. So. Oh, so Wednesday. I thought it was tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. 20th. 20th. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's 20 in German? Swanzi. Yeah. 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 We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. The 20th. Um, they had also said that there were rumors that liberal churches were going to be targeted as well by like uh, you know people who See, but that um, yeah no i get it liberal and conservative is it's so subjective yeah right because i mean there are i mean we are we're a southern baptist church we are con- we're a uh, predominantly conservative church we stand on the inerrancy of scripture and the infallibility and we stand on i mean all i mean we are not a liberal church but to no. some we're a flaming liberal church it's yeah. so subjective yeah 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 so I was I was wondering, but then I was like, man, nobody attacked us. So what does that mean about us? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think anybody got attacked anywhere. So I don't know. I mean, like, why were those rumors out there? Because there'd be wars and rumors of wars. So to some degree, it happened because places like Parlor got shut down. So we went from having relatively controlled, not not controlled because it was wildly uncontrolled, but like uh, centralized sources of misinformation and and conspiracy to it fracturing there was this big text chain that went around where uh like i saw from my side of like young people twitter and and stuff where parents were texting their kids like hey make sure you stock up on food and essentials because like on inauguration day like it's gonna happen and that kind of like stood out to me because it did you stock up no um you bought a new microphone yeah i did that's where all this money went (laughs) Um, this is Josiah coming to you from an underground bunker. Well, it, it, it kind of, I, I see like a parallel between a lot of this QAnon stuff and, and to some degree, like, um, I don't know the right phrase for it, but like Christians that look for the apocalypse. Oh yeah. 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 Like, like they're always setting dates. They're always waiting on something and yep. when it doesn't happen. They just kind of like reassess and reevaluate. Yeah. I mean, the, the crazy. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to talk about it, but the craziest conspiracy theory I saw come out in the past few days was, uh, I, I believe it was someone like making fun of the conspiracy theories, but they were like, Hey, you know, like Trump is already, he's already struck. Like, like they're already making a deal with the, the, the new world order and the government and <laughs> they're, they're switching Trump and Biden's faces so that Trump gets to serve out his second term as Biden. So we all have to be, like, make sure we do a really good job of supporting Biden, quote unquote, in the upcoming, the upcoming cycle. That's got to be a joke. It was huh? absolutely. That's got to be a joke. They're, they're just trying to pretend the face off is real. But stuff is is starting to come out. It's like the the, the information is a lot more fractured. There's there's a lot more people that are just kind of like sharing things through yeah. text chains and stuff. Oh yeah. So yeah. You, you saw the movie Face Off. I remember it. Yeah, that was Travolta and Cage. Nick Cage. That and was back when he was popular, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's crazy in that movie. I guess my question would be, which one would be Biden and which one would be Trump? I don't know. I mean, I don't remember. I remember the movie, but I don't remember the movie. Well, so. the the thing was that they were like, Biden will serve out his prison sentence with Trump's face. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Trump That's will serve out. Off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
I would say that Trump would Let's be. Let's move on to, to redemptive conversation. I, I, well, hang that. on, but I got to figure this out. I really it's not feel like outable. no, it is. Trump would be John Travolta. No, it would be Nick Cage with John Travolta's face. He would be like if you go back and see the movie. I mean, it's just crazy. It'd be wild. I think that's how it would work out. No, but yeah, I mean, we were we were told uh, through multiple sources. Um, that martial law was coming. That didn't happen. I mean, do we just... But, but it was always kind of qualified with it might happen. I mean, martial law fundamentally has happened in downtown D.C., sure. just not in the way they were expecting. Right. And and they just said, you know, they were going to do this as a way for Trump to not have to leave the White House. I'm going, That's true. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, no. I, and so this is last I want to interject into it. But so you mentioned martial law is kind of sort of what's happening in D.C., like didn't I? I think I read that like all the hotels are shut down, Airbnb is shut down. Probably. Are, are, like what about? Re- I don't know. Are residents able to move freely in the city? Um, as far as I can tell, yes. You just okay. have to be very careful about where you're going. Like you I must think have your papers. I've got a couple of friends that yeah. live near the capital, and they don't seem to be too affected, other than you know, like general, like, why do I live in D.C. right now? I really wish I didn't. Kind oh. of feeling. I have, uh, why do you live in D.C. ever? ever taxation without representation i mean i you know i don't who wants that plus the taxes are i mean it's crazy high taxation yeah. with no representation yeah. anyway yeah that's ridiculous well here's what i want to say real quick um so last week we we talked a long time about the capital um attack and i know i i appreciate the opportunity to kind of process some of that through um Tim and Brianna thought did a really good job of presenting the right way of thinking about things. And then, uh, and then there was me, uh, over here just being mad. And so like, it really bothered me because again, wanting to pastor well through this and then also not having my head on straight, um, and making sense of it. I had to kind of work through that, did a lot of reading this week. And, um, one thing that kind of kept coming up over and over again from the, the people that I trust, the voices that I'm allowing in, uh, you know, one of the things that they had kind of railed against was saying, you know, it, it's very easy for like me. And I think Josie, you tend to kind of be, we're, we're, we're team sane, uh, where we would look at people who participated in the capital attack and, and particularly the Christian segment of that. And, and to ring the bell saying, that's not the church. That's not us. They don't represent, they don't represent. This is kind of the outlier. And, and it's very easy, it's very much that you want to create space between the two groups, right? As a way of saying, don't allow them to represent me. Um, but one of the things that, that I, I read and I, and I kind of really, really agreed on was that um, I think the reason it's so easy for people to look at what happened at the Capitol attack and blame Christians for it is because Christians haven't done a great job of showing what real Christianity and following Jesus looks like that when something like the capital attack happens and then Christians get, you know, pulled through all that and get their, their name and Jesus name, you know, brought through the mud. It's because we haven't shown that's not what the church really is. We've kind of just allowed it to just be like, okay, those are those crazy people. Kind of like the Westboro Baptist we talk about. Um, we just sort of put them over there and, but, but that, that reputation then gets applied to us because we haven't shown, Hey, this is the way to go. And so, Regardless of where you are in the church, there really has been a call to individual and corporate repentance um, that that even though we could say, hey, that's not our church, or you could say, hey, we don't have anybody who agrees with what happens there, that there really does need to be a sense of 
while I can point to others and say that's not a great example of Christianity, that we haven't done such a great job of showing what that's about. Sure, um, and and it's and, and so in such a way that you know our church, we have nothing to do with the child abuse and that's prevalent, like in you know say the Catholic Church or sure. something like that. But we we still should kind of publicly and individually grieve that, right? Yeah, we're not a part of that. That's not us. That's not our identity. But good lord, uh, you know we lament it. Uh, yeah. And I think it's it's similar here that there's an evil that the church has been a part of and the name has been you know put there. And so we lament it and we seek to instead of uh, we, we lament it, we address it, but then we move on. Sure. And so instead of only focusing on the negative, we say, let me show you Jesus instead. Yeah. Instead of this bad example, uh, not even an example, and instead of this diversion tactic of the devil over here, let me yeah. show you the actual Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I, I think it's really important to, to realize that apathy and kind of standing still and not being an outspoken voice is in itself as detrimental as the other thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why, you know, sometimes I let my anger get the best of, my, of me, but I feel like it it serves a greater purpose. Sure. Um, I, I actually found an MLK quote that... I don't feel like is inappropriate here and is okay. one of the ones that don't commonly doesn't commonly get quoted. Um, I, I don't know the context for this quote, just I found it. Um, but though, as I was initially disappointed at being categorized as an extremist, as I continued to think about the matter, I gradually gained a measure of satisfaction from the label. Mm-hmm. Was Jesus not an extremist for love? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to those that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Um, and going a little bit further, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether or not we will be extremists, but what kind. Yeah. And I think that's really pertinent now. Yeah. This is not the time to to stay in the sidelines. This is the time to decide what kind of extremist are we going to be? Are we going to be an extremist for love or an extremist for hate? Yeah. Right. And I think it's important that when that when we talk about being an extremist, when we talk about picking sides, um, it's not just a matter of speaking out against the other side, but showing why your side is appealing. Mm-hmm. And and so to sit there and say, as a Christian, I denounce everything that happened over there. That's fine. You can do that, but that's not going to do a whole lot to change other people's minds. Um, you have to just go out and show who Jesus is. And I think that's where the church, maybe we have been better at uh, speaking out against things sometimes, but then also showing a different way and making people go, oh, that's what Jesus looks like. So that when they see something that Jesus doesn't look like, they go, that's the thing that doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, and so that that's where I, you know, that's where I kind of landed. And I, you know, I, I repent of that or I'm trying to repent of that and, and do better. Yeah. So, all right, guys, we're going to pivot and we are going to talk about worship. Guys, we are joined in studio today by the only guest that we have had who has spanked me. This guy. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so everyone say hello to the right reverend, Dr. Raymond Higgins. Woo! 
It was only uh, only at times when he really deserved it, <laughs> like last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did yeah. you always say this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? Did yeah, you ever yeah. use that line? Yeah, I, I tried not to smile when I said that. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of times where he actually said, "No, this time it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me." <laughs> this time I'm using the buckle. <laughs> <in> the <belt. laughs> no, man. He said on my twentieth birthday, okay. stop doing this. No, Daddy, no. <laughs> Pops, thanks for joining us. We're Yay. glad to have you here. I don't know. Have you ever listened to this podcast? No. Yeah. See, he... I haven't either. So <laughs> I, thought, I thought I had listened to Brianna's, but I think that was more of a. Uh, I was think it must have been passing in the hall because I I, heard, I saw her in here and I thought I was listening to it. So yeah. yeah. No, you're fine. I, I don't listen to it either. So <laughs> yeah, all I, good. I, I thought this was on camera, so I, I didn't exactly. have to dress yeah. up. <laughs> You yeah, you look up. really nice. You can take your tie off. <laughs> like, okay, right. good, good. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, yeah, that, that one day that I wore a suit. Remember that, Tim? Our election day episode? Yeah. I wore a suit, and you did not. Nope. He's I was in liar. sweatpants. Yep. Uh, Pops, we're so grateful to have you here today. Um, so you lead worship. You've done it for a year or two. Mm-hmm. When did you start leading worship? When I was a sophomore in college. That was back in what year? <laughs> 66 wow. 66 yeah, it's yeah. amazing okay yeah. wow you're older than we thought you were but yeah, um yeah. so i have i have a question to start us off uh do you know anyone from council bluffs iowa not that i know of yeah i don't know so we have a so we have our analytics we can look at who listens to our podcast <laughs> and council bluffs iowa currently is neck and neck with the entire state of Virginia. As of today, Virginia has listened, I forget, I want it's like 178 times or something like that, or in the last, I don't know, however long. And Council Bluffs, Iowa, a small town just east of Omaha, Omaha, yeah. is, uh, has listened one time less than that. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I've not been to Iowa, but I grew up in a small town, and I know there's probably not much else to do there. See, this is the second guest on who we've had on who has insulted <laughs> Council Bluffs, Iowa. We are trying so hard to get them to email us uh, to just introduce themselves because we have no idea who's listening from Council Bluffs, and, and they will not write, write us back at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. If you don't like what Pops just said about you, uh, you can write in and, and just introduce yourself. But so here's what I thought. His we address was, is 375. Yeah. <laughs> That's your cell phone number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should give that out. Uh, so anyway, so we'll, we'll, we're still trying to hear from Council Bluffs. So today we are wrapping up our series on worship. And we've talked about corporate worship. We've talked about personal worship. One of the things that I thought it would be great to do is to have you come on, Pops, because you have been, you know, you have forgot, what do we say, that you've forgotten more about leading worship and corporate worship in the church than we will ever hope to know. Now, that, that phrase could be spun around to go, you've really forgotten <laughs> a, lot a lot of yeah. stuff. Uh, but, I mean, you you have so much uh, history with the church and leading worship, and we thought, you know, it'd be great to have you come on to help end out this series, looking at how we can uh, understand worship, particularly in light of history. But so we are sitting at your feet today. We are feeding <laughs> us, Papa! And so what we wanted to do to kind of warm us up, we know that over the many years of uh, leading worship, you have to have a funny story or two in regards to the corporate worship experience. And so we wanted to just kind of open the floor and tell us, give us a funny story. Tell us something that has happened to you that we would go, oh, really glad that didn't happen to us. 
Yeah, so you've oh, never yeah. had like your your fly down or something in the middle of worship oh, yeah. and had to know. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I uh, there's a bunch, but when I was at U Valley, we first went to First Baptist Church U Valley. I wasn't there a long time, but um, they had always uh, sung the doxology for the offering. My first Sunday there, and uh, so we're seeing the doxology and the ushers. It was their their tradition to come forward during the doxology, and they would stand and face the front. And uh, we were on radio, so uh, after uh, after we'd sung that, the uh, I, I told the pastor, I said, uh, you know, it, it'd probably be best if, if when they came down, they just didn't uh, didn't all face the front. They would uh, just go ahead and take up the offering. So anyway, so the next week when we sang the doxology, half of them stood and faced the audience, <laughs> and half of them faced the front. And uh, and then they all looked at each other, and almost on cue, they all did 180 at the same time. And so they're 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 continually turning around during the doxology, and people are not singing anymore; they're just laughing. And uh, following that, the pastor came up and said, "You know, said Raymond is uh, is new with us, and we're going to be doing some new things. And uh, and then you know, just like the uh, the offertory there, it, it didn't really work out well. But I'm just glad nobody got hurt. Yeah. So yeah. So my. <laughs> thing has been always through ministry is just to say, well, I'm just glad nobody got hurt. You know, yeah. it, it, it's lots of times that Praise happens. God from whom all blessings flow. Yeah. 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 I will uh, probably, I will probably envision that now whenever we see the Doc Saudi, I'll just see a bunch of men spinning, <laughs> spinning around. around yeah. it's, like, it's like a Pentecostal for a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, real quick. One Whirling more. dervishes yeah, down yeah, the front yeah, in the yeah, Baptist whee! church. Yeah. Uh, when I was in seminary, I, I would, uh, had a part-time job at the First Baptist Hillsboro and just there on Wednesday nights and Sunday morning. It's all in like Fort Worth, yeah. Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and so uh, this this one Wednesday night. Normally, I would we'd have choir practice, then I would do the bulletin for the order of worship for the next Sunday, and then you know uh, come back on Sunday. And uh, that night, the practice didn't go very well, and the, the number we'd planned to sing as a as a anthem uh, didn't really come together. So I couldn't think of what we would do for Sunday, and so I just put on the bulletin. Outline. Uh, I'll tell you in the morning. And I, I, planned to, <laughs> I planned to call back and tell the church secretary what it was going to be, and I forgot. And then uh, came up Sunday, looked in the church bulletin, and it says the choir special will be. I'll tell you in the morning. <laughs> 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 so I had to sit down and write a song real fast. Anyway, so <laughs> I've heard a lot of your stories over the years. Uh, one of my favorites is you were singing a duet with oh, another yeah. guy. You know where I'm going with this? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, am his I am his and he is, and he is mine. mine. <laughs> Jim Hudson, he was here at this church. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Sunday night, fortunately. And he was like a uh, professional vocalist, and yeah, you guys yeah. were going for it. So we're up right. there we're getting ready to sing this duet, and and as the off, as the introduction was being played, I think she was playing, it, it occurred to me, <laughs> like like things do, just right in the introduction, right before you start to sing, that throughout this song, the word God was never present. <laughs> And, and so there's two guys getting ready to sing, I am his and he is mine. I thought I need to explain when you hear I am his, it refers to God. <laughs> and of course, did, did you explain it before the Yeah, song? right during the introduction. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> started Point from the board, top. Started over. <laughs> Sheila so and a one. Yeah, so it kind of shook Jim up a little bit. When <laughs> but anyway, you got yeah, go off yeah. course. Yeah. So you've been leading worship since the 60s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. The aughts and I mean, yeah. so I guess twenty twenty one makes that how many seven? I can't math. The roaring twenties that we're seven, in. seven decades of leading worship, yeah. which is weird because now it sounds like you've um, 
been leading worship since you were like four or yeah, five. Yeah. yeah. A little time off for the army. But That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you have a favorite decade that like a, a fa- like if you look back and you can say like you went through a lot of church history, is there a favorite decade or, or, or season that you could go, man, this one was, was really like the pinnacle well, summer of love, right? Yeah, that's a, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Of I am his, yeah, he yeah. is mine. That's, that's a lot of lot of uh, information to process. I, I, I tell you what, the, one of the probably the most fun time I ever had was when I first came here in ninety one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, David Lee was pastor, and and they were you know if you know David, he was uh, he had a sign on the office door as you came in says get on board or get out of the way, <laughs> which was kind of a, his style of leadership, and. Uh, in the first year I was here, we got uh, new organ, new choir robes, totally re- uh, redesigned the whole stage area, and uh, and the choir grew. And it was it was an exciting, fun time. Uh, they were just hungry and ready to go when I got here, and and that was a that was a fun time. We we just we just just had a party every every Wednesday to choir practice, and just yeah. just just God was blessing in a lot of ways. But you know every every situation has been uh, a real a real joy, it really has. Throughout my, throughout my ministry you're just saying that because you're yeah. still in it like yeah. we need to wait like after you know I bet you're not telling the truth after you but. retire then you'll be like no 74 that was 74 right was the year summer yeah. of love baby yeah. uh, no that yeah that's, so when you so when you add, now I, I have to imagine normally those kind of things create conflict making changes particularly early yeah. on yeah. In, a, in a new ministry you know calling assignment but did that create any tension or were people like hey you're just improving but not so much changing you're just making better so that was why it kind of it it blew up no in a good was, way. i mean that was part of what made it fun is everybody was on board and uh and so whatever major change uh came up everybody jumped in and, yeah. and uh, you, you don't always experience that in ministry it uh, and uh, there have been some you know tough tough times as well but this church particularly you know it's been going on almost 30 years now um has just been wonderful and supportive of of my family supportive of, of me and ministry and has always just been a joy really yeah that's awesome that's awesome yeah. well so we want to just continue on in our discussion and actually kind of wrap it up today i know at some point we'll come back because josie you're going to probably be pretty annoyed that on our worship conversation uh series we didn't really dig into like stuff from the 1600s <laughs> i know your parents are probably still annoyed did you did you keep that edit in of saying that your parents were annoyed? I didn't. You took it out? Yes. And now you're going to have to edit, gonna it out. edit this, this again. out too. We're going to have to keep putting... No, leave it in. I, I'm I'm your boss for this, so you have yeah. to do what I say. You really took it out? Yes, the entire bit. No. Yeah. How did I miss that? I want to put it back in. Well, so I'm going to put it back in right in the middle of, of right here. So in the last episode, we took out... We Josie took out a thing where his parents were annoyed at us for not for only dealing with kind of what is currently happening. And, uh, and, 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 but they had a, they had a valid criticism. And so I know at some point we will kind of return to this and look at the history of, uh, of, of worship and, and things like that. And he's already trying to figure out where to cut and make the cut this time. So if oh, I just keep talking, he won't be able to, to do that well. So anyway, pops, uh, I know that there are a lot of different elements when it comes to worship, uh, particularly in, in, in corporate, um, but we have kind of our bent for those of us in the room, uh, largely our discussion has been on music. And I know that's kind of where we're going to probably land a lot today. Um, again, that's not to say that there aren't other expressions of worship that can take place both personally and corporately, but for the church, the dominant expression has largely been through music. 
and you have a doctorate in church music. You literally wrote a book on church music, and can people pick up your book anywhere? No. And it's in you your office. Want to. Yeah. <laughs> It's in my office collecting dust. Yeah, yeah excellent. Yeah. Um, and but so today we just kind of wanted to, you know, get some wisdom, get some insight uh, in this, and and what that that kind of looks like. And you have had such a, a, a storied and great history of leading the church in worship, and thought, man, you're gonna you're gonna be a wealth of knowledge today. And so this is one of the things that we really like to do is to ask questions and sit back. Like our other guests haven't been as smart, and so we have to help them along. Uh, primarily like Brianna, but uh, it would be it would be great. Uh, she's gonna yell at us when she yeah, gets back yeah, on the she show. Will, she'll get you. <laughs> she she doesn't listen. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Absolutely not. But pops, how, what's your story? How did you get into church music, worship, pastoring as a career? How did that kind of yeah. hit you? Um, it's a God thing, I guess. Um, I grew up in a West Texas for the most part, in a small town White Deer, close to Pampa Amarill up in the north. And uh, there, the, there wasn't such a thing as a church music director. Yeah. He's just the loudest guy in the in the congregation got to lead music. <laughs> and um, wave their hands. Ho- in the yeah, air. yeah. Ho- hopefully on pitch. And um, after my sophomore year in high school, my family moved to San Angelo, Texas. It was very traumatic for me because I I, you know, I didn't want to go. In fact, I stayed the summer with my uncle, just thinking I was not going to go. And then realized I can't, you know, I can't be with my family. So I, I went there and. Uh, my life changed from being centered around school and sports and band and everything else to uh, to church because the school was so big and, and I wasn't a great athlete, so I didn't get playing most of the sports. And so uh, in the band, I was nobody special. And so, uh, but the church, the guy named Walter Johnson was the church music director. I didn't know there was such a thing. And uh, Walter was a neat dude. Uh, he went out for ice cream every day at two. And uh, and so when I started just kind of helping him, just hanging out, uh, I realized as a junior in high school, I said, I, I could do this. You know? <laughs> I could I eat ice cream I could, every day. I, yeah, I could do this. Rocky and uh, he kind of just uh, was my mentor. And, and so the next year, as a senior in high school, uh, uh, I felt God calling me into music ministry. And uh, everybody was surprised. Didn't have any money really at that time to go to college. And so I went to community college for two years. And then... Um, uh, men in the church helped me to get to Hardin-Simmons University, so I had to go there three years to get my uh, music degree. But uh, in that time, I, I thought, well, if, if I guess if I'm going to you know, start working in church music, then I need to go ahead and do it. And so I got a little country church and just there on a Saturday and Sunday and, and served there. Uh, so that's how I got started. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember the first song you led as a worship pastor, music minister? I remember the first solo I sang in, uh-huh. in this big church was uh, "I'd Rather Have Jesus," mm. and uh, That's it was a great song. Uh, it yeah. was yeah it was kind of my testimony. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, at that time I didn't know, you know, I'd rather have uh, riches than houses or land, and I thought, mm. yeah, that may be, <laughs> be where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got into ministry for the ice cream. Yeah, it's the like, ice cream, That's yeah. about the last yeah, perk you it. get. Still a song that 2021 needs to hear, bro. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So what's your, you know, kind of that, that was an easy softball. Um, question, but now let's get into kind of you know what is your understanding, your philosophy on worship. I know this kind of this kind of a broad question, so we can go anywhere with it. But over the years, you have studied it, you have you know come to an understanding how you have led people in worship. How do you approach worship, and what is your philosophy of it? Yeah, I'll take this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me start by saying what it's not, you know, because uh, a lot of people see worship service as, as what we you know. Uh, uh, what we call corporate worship, 
where the people on stage are the performers and the people sitting out in the audience, the, the congregants are the, are the audience, and then God is kind of the prompter where he, uh, he just kind of helps the people on stage do their job, you know, just, just to put on a good performance. And, uh, and so you go home, you kind of grade the performance. You know, the preaching wasn't that great or the music was not that great or I like this or didn't like that. And it's just, you're looking at it as a performance. Uh, a guy named Kierkegaard, a Dutch mm-hmm. theologian, came along about 1800-something and, and, uh, and said it's really uh, the other way around. The audience, the congregants are the performers. The people on stage uh, the, are, are the worship leaders, are the, are the uh, prompters. They help in the worship. And that God is the... Uh, and God is the audience. God is the, uh, he, he just sits back and, and watches. When in fact, it's not that either. Uh, in fact, everybody that's involved in worship, including God, are the performers. Isaiah 6 is probably the best model that I've seen for a pattern for worship. It has mm-hmm. all of the ingredients and the elements, I think, that are essential. Um, Isaiah 6 begins with, it says, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He went into the temple. And when he was there, the Lord just revealed himself through a, a cloud. He saw the Lord in a vision. And, um, and he responded, it says, initially by saying, woe is me. He saw, he saw God high and lifted up, and he realized, you're God. I am not God. I'm not ready to be in your holy presence. And he fell on his face. And then he confessed um, his sin. And so then God responded. And so it's like some people have called it like a, like a ping pong match you know, where you hit the ball across the net and if somebody returns it, you hit it back and it keeps going until somebody stops returning it. And so God serves the ball. He reveals himself. Uh, you respond in adoration. You respond in confession, uh, almost flip side of the same coin. And then um, God then responds, as he did with Isaiah, with forgiveness and then once you're forgiven, Isaiah said, uh, I, I, I've been made clean. Uh, you acknowledge the forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You, you celebrate the forgiveness. And so uh, that lobs the ball back across the net. And then God, when you stand then ready, uh, you, you've experienced God's presence. You've acknowledged his, his holiness, your lack of holiness, your, your need for forgiveness. And then you experience his forgiveness and you, and you affirm that. Now you're ready to hear the sermon. Now you're ready to hear from God. Mm-hmm. And God's sermon was 10 words. You know, who will I send and who will go for me? Um, and uh, Isaiah responded to the sermon by simply saying, here am I, send me. So what you're saying is biblically our sermons are too long and the music right. is too is not long enough. I'm saying if you're ready to hear the message, it doesn't have to be a long one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just give the invitation. Who <laughs> will go for me? Yeah. I'm good. So yeah, you, yeah. You, and and I, I like what you're saying because yeah. you're basically you're highlighting the fallacy of uh, an audience of one, right? So which yeah. sure, okay, audience of one. I know what people are saying when they're saying that that we are all basically giving this to the Lord, but. Um, that's a short-sighted way of looking at worship, that he's just not leaning his ear to his children, right. you know, like on his big rocking chair in heaven and leaning over to listen to us. It is, it's, worship is not a performance. It's relation. Right. It's, a, it's, a, right. it's a back and forth relation between right. God and his children. Yeah, and it all starts with just experiencing the very presence of God. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so many times we come into worship and we're there for an hour and we make some noise and uh, move around and then we go home and we think we've worshiped because we've been there for an hour and we did what you know God has told us to do on Sunday morning. And in fact, unless you experience the presence of God, 
uh, and you're so overwhelmed by the presence of God and God's goodness and God's holiness uh, to the point that you're, you sense a need for confession and then you experience that confession, um, then every time you worship, truly worship, you're changed. Can yeah. I, and, and I yeah. told Jeff I wasn't going to tangent, but can I, I it, yeah. this is sort of drilling down into that. Go for it, because I've, I've come up with a number of questions I want to ask now. Uh, so we had a, <laughs> yeah. we had a, so our conversation with um, Brianna was, you know, it was very um, good. She comes from an AG, an Assembly of God kind of background, more Pentecostal, and obviously, uh, you know, Jeff and I grew up here in the SBC world. Um, what are your thoughts on what uh, what some of us would consider non-expressive worship? Just because, you know, I, people people express themselves in different ways. And you've got some who are, I mean, hands in the air. you got some who are dancing around. I mean, not in our church. But you have people, <laughs> you know, hands in the air. And then other people, uh, uh, you know, I, I said on that, on that uh, episode, I said, uh, if you don't want to be expressive in your body fine that's fine but tell your face that was my point tell your face what are your thoughts on what many really kind of in the baptist world is would people outside would look at us and say look at your non-expressive worship so when you come and you're you're encountered with the presence of the living god what's an appropriate expression or emotion in that moment yeah uh, I think God made us all differently. Sure. Uh, I'm not as expressive as a lot of people, sure. and uh, I, and part of it, I, you know, we're, we're to worship in in truth and in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a combination of emotion and truth. Yeah. Uh, I know personally. I know that emotion can be counterfeited pretty easily. Of course. Mm-hmm. And so I, I trust truth more than I trust spirit. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't experience God in His truth without some type of emotional response. It, love requires some type of response. Mm. And, um, and even though I don't outwardly show it a lot, uh, I feel it a lot. And sure. sometimes, I, I, you know, the, the song, I can only imagine, you know, what will I do when I get to heaven? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to be one of those guys that just falls down, yeah. you know, because mm. I, I, I can't uh, express uh, often the things that are inside me that I, you know, mm. that's, that's why music is such a good outlet. Mm-hmm. Because uh, people that are good at expressing their love, they're expressing their devotion, expressing their forgiveness, uh, have have vocalized it, have put it into beautiful music that expresses what I feel, and so that, that's sure. that's why I, I love music. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that also can be a hook and. So we, we just have to, to keep checking ourselves. And worship leaders can be the worst at this because we're, we're good at faking it. No. Uh, we can put it on automatic and say the same words, do the same things that we do week after week. And so our prayer always going in is that I'm not just a worship leader, I'm a lead worshiper. Because mm-hmm. uh, I've gotten to where I can, I can kind of sense worship leaders that are faking it. Because <laughs> uh, I know I've done it. Yeah. And, and I, I know how easy it is to do. And so it's it's always that challenge for us as as leaders to uh, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and you know, so that kind of leads us into a question. It, and I I hope it's okay to ask this because I know we kind of talked about some of the topics we'll talk about, but this is going to get a little more kind of revisiting some conversation we have with Brianna. Um, you have not uh, you have had to lead worship through a season of pain, and how do you do that? How do you 
I mean, cause, you know, I, I, one of the things we've all talked about as pastors, as worship leaders, is that there are times when you're up there faking it. There are times where you go, I'm leading right now, um, but if I'm going to be super honest, I'm not super thrilled with the person we're singing to right now. How do you still do that? And what has that been like for you having to lead during times of, uh, of pain and of hurt? Well, um, you know, I, I try to give an honest answer. I, the, um, the Sunday after Jan died, it had been a week, and I was leading worship because uh, that's, uh, I think the worst thing you can do is just shut down. <laughs> sure. And particularly if people are looking at you as to what, uh, what are you going to do next? And I was leading worship, and it was very difficult, and people knew it was difficult. But at the same time, it was where I needed to be. And I remember Pete Holt and Doug Inslee came up to me afterwards and said, uh, you, just, uh, you just have such a great faith and uh, to, to be able to be up there. And I said, it, it's not my faith. It's God carrying me. And they said, that just shows how great your faith is. And I said, you're not listening. <laughs> that, that there are times, I think, when you go through situations where you say, God, I can't do this on my own. And he says, I know, I know. Uh, this is, this is uh, where I carry you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and literally, I, there were times that I felt God's presence carrying me. Um, I never got to where I didn't love God. I got to where I didn't like God. Sure. But, I, but, I, but I always knew that he had much more understanding than me, and, uh, and I never doubted his love for me. I just didn't really understand what he was doing and why he was doing it. Mm. And so how do you lead in the midst of that? How think, do you how do you still yeah. express worship when you go? I don't I don't feel that you know when when what you believe and know about God, um, is different than how you're feeling at that moment. Because we talked about part of the issue. It seems like as pastors and leaders, is that suck it up, Buttercup. We just have to yeah. go out and perform. Every you don't have the option of saying you know what me and God are at odds right now. I'm gonna sit this one out, and so. You know, is this a, is this the kind of thing where you just get up and fake it because that's what you have to do? Um, how do you kind of wrestle with that? And and I don't know. That's a long question, but no, no, I I, I understand. I, I I don't think I think people need to see when we're struggling. And mm-hmm. I guess it's, uh, that's why I, I didn't feel taking a month sabbatical was what. I needed to do because people need to know what do you do when uh, when your world just kind of ends and and, mm-hmm. and you don't know what you're going to do next. I think you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and you don't shut down. That's uh, it doesn't mean that it's easy or, or you have to fake it before people and, and pretend that it's easy. You just have to trust that God is greater than whatever circumstance you're going through and that somehow uh, he will use this for his glory. Mm. Um, it's it's not easy, and I think people need to know that. They need to see that that as worship leaders we struggle. I had a in church that I served at in Churchville. Uh, the pastor there went through two years of uh, uh, it turned just a tumor on his thyroid, but the best internist at Johns Hopkins everywhere couldn't find anything. Mm. They finally just said this is just psychological. You, you just you know there's something wrong with you, and he said no, it's not. It's, I know it's not. I'm you know I'm a pastor. I I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm good, and uh, finally they 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 found it and they dealt with it 
but um, in the meantime, he preached a message in front of his church entitled, Does My Father Know I'm Hurt? Mm. And he gave the analogy of a little boy that uh, was riding his bicycle and he fell off the road and was rolled down the ditch and he's laying there, can't get up, and he asked, Does my, does my father know I'm hurt? And he said, as a, as a pastor, I know that God knows my situation and he knows, he knows I'm hurting. So the second question is then, um, does he have power to do something? And he says, I know he does. Uh, he, can, he can change my situation. He can reveal whatever my sickness is. So the third question is, then why doesn't he come? And he said, I, I don't know. And he was just very honest with his congregation. I don't know why God is not, not moving, God not speaking. He said, but that's where I am. And, and I think we have to, as, as even as worship leaders, be honest enough to say, I don't know what God is doing right now. I really don't. But I trust him and, uh, and, and I love him. And so I'm just going to have to wait, you know, let him carry me. Sure. Yeah. I think to knowing when someone is going through something difficult and still seeing them express their worship and still be faithful in it, um, to me, it, it can enrich that experience together. Because then you know that, that this is a sacrifice, that this is something yeah. where, you know, because I think so often people look at people on the stage and go, oh, you guys have it all together. And, uh, and our desire is to go not even a little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is, this is not something where we have, we have figured everything out and us and God don't have issues and, and life is, is really good once you hit this point. Um, I remember Jen told me, you know, very early on, you know, when we got married, she felt kind of secure because she's like oh i married a pastor like this is going to be it's like oh no life's gonna still suck (laughs) like you know like and she and you know she's embraced that and and realized that but just kind of a sense of you know you you know oh i i i married a guy who loves jesus and 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 that means we're not going to have some of the problems that you know we you know we see other people having and it's like no that's that's not the case and so no props i appreciate you being honest about that i know we didn't really discuss that but um and, and, you know, honestly, one of the things I really appreciate about this church, uh, that a lot of preacher's kids <laughs> grow yeah. up in, a, in churches that they see a lot of counterfeit Christianity. Mm. And uh, one of the things I, I love about this church is that my kids, you know, you and Kristen have grown up seeing authentic Christianity, yeah. people that, uh, that share their hurts and the church that ministers to them and reaches out and loves them. And loves them through those situations, and that's you know that that's what a church is supposed to be. But I also think that has a lot to do with the leadership. That if that is if is shown, um, you have said before that the church will take on the DNA of a pastor. Mm-hmm. And if you have a pastor who doesn't show that that kind of um, honesty, transparency, yeah, yeah, then then it's it's not going to it, people aren't going to pick that up, and they're not going to live that out. And right. so. You know, I think it's just a testament. I think what we're doing right now in this podcast is we grew up watching you and and your leadership and those around you kind of doing the same thing, which is okay to kind of talk about us not being perfect and taking some of the the sheen off the facade. Um, and so then we now, you know, you're basically your Mr. Holland's opus is uh, is this podcast. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> so Sorry. congratulations, right. bring Sorry. in the balloons. Yay. It's good. So. Here's a question I thought I had for you, and, and I, I would love to hear this. And I know we, we talk a lot because, you know, we're family, but this is something I guess I've never really thought about. But you've experienced and led through a lot of different worship style changes. And particularly, and, and I mean, 
you know, my world is kind of small when it comes to worship leading. I'm looking primarily at like the end of the nineties and the early two thousands where there was, I guess the worship wars where they were arguing between is this style going to be the dominant style or is this style okay to incorporate? Have you seen a lot of that over your ministry? Um, was it as bad as what we kind of went through? Because you were on one side of, and, and we never had a competition about it, mm -hmm. but there was your style and my style that seemed to kind of be a dividing line. Did you see it as bad in other decades and other types of ministry where there was a transition to different music and worship styles? I, no, I, I think oh, we all have to change. And I, I guess I've, I've, I've had the privilege of being in some other countries and I, and I see how they worship differently. Mm. And I realize there are different ways that people express their worship based on their personality, based mm -hmm. on their culture, and and it's all good mm -hmm. uh, within certain parameters. And uh, and I think that's uh, that's where we have to allow people to have the freedom to do that. And you uh, can't go to India and tell them to put their drum away and say, "Here's the Baptist hymnal. Yeah, this is right, what you're yeah, supposed to, yeah. you know, sing from." And, and that's uh, you know I think where we have to uh, celebrate our differences, not tolerate them. And, and, and I know part of our church, uh, we've talked about the need for our church to change with, with our culture that's changing because we have uh, had such a strong tradition over the years. And, um, and we're moving away from uh, large choirs and large pageants and things like that. And, um, and there, were, there were good reasons for that even though you know some of us miss those and, yeah. uh, and I do have great memories but I realize that you can't l just keep living in the past and mm. and and you have to be willing to allow a church to change and still celebrate the the different styles that you have I think the danger is is where people start preferring one over the other to the exclusion of the other and to say you know I, I just I just can't worship that way I, I can't I can't understand those people when, when preference turns into requirement. Yeah. 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 And, and, and that's the challenge, I think, for a church. Satan can use that to divide churches and, uh, and fortunately has not done this here, I don't believe. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure there are some that, that just, just left or, or, or said, I, I don't like that other church, that, uh, that other service. But for the most part, I think people are really excited that we still have a multi-generational church. Yeah. And it's, it's really healthy. Well, I think you and, and the leadership you know, before us really kind of paved the way for that because it would have been easy for you guys to say, no, nah, no, nah, this isn't legit. You made space for that. And so I guess one of the questions that I got is, is what was that like for you? Because I feel like when, when you and, and Dr. Nichols kind of called me in to say, Hey, we're going to start a modern service. We're going to, we're going to do this now. We're going to put it over here. So mm -hmm. it doesn't kind of disturb the, the stasis of what yeah. we have. It's going to do it eight 30 <laughs> in the morning, which is a perfect yeah, yeah. time for People a modern kids. service. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and, and we did that for a really long time. Um, that seemed like it worked until we started making a move to say, okay, we're going to make this at a time that people might actually attend, you know, seven years down the road. Right. And then it still kind of created a, a lot of tension. But what was that like being on the taking the lumps? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like what was that like for you? Cause I know how my lumps were, yeah. you know, but you sort of made space for that and not even made space for, it. I mean, you were a part of the band. And so it was really hard for people to go, Raymond, doesn't that group suck? And you're a part of it, yeah. you know? Um, and so what was that like for you during that time where you kind of saw that, that there were two different styles happening and there were people who 
didn't really embrace that or see the value of it? You know, what was that like for you? Um, people don't come to and complain to me a lot. Uh, I, 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 they complain to other people, I You're guess. Lucky. I, I, yeah, I, know, I, I don't know why. I guess maybe they, they realize, uh, you know, hey, they don't want the answer I'm going to give them. But I, I don't know. Uh, I always felt like part of my role is is as a, as a leader is to is to not cling to the past, but realize if our community is changing, if our culture is changing, then we have to change too. Yeah. And that's that's not all that profound. I think you either do that or you die as a church and as a people. If you really care about reaching the people you're not reaching, if you're only trying to minister to the people that are here because they like it here, um, then you realize there's a whole world we're not reaching. And yeah. why are we not reaching them? It's, maybe it's because they don't want to come to our church. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we have to be willing to say, do we care more about the people outside of our church than we do ourselves? And yeah. so that's, yeah. No, I think yeah. some of that, it's, it, it's uh, people have a lack of historicity when it comes to worship and where the music actually came from. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, some of, some of the, the hymns that we sing and that we love were, you know, kind of pub music that yeah. brought that music into the, then the church. And uh, so the people that sing and love that music um, are some of the ones who say we shouldn't bring in that world sound in here and baptize it and use it for, God's glory. Yeah. Uh, and so some of it's just nearsightedness, at least that I see, um, you know, people, people take, you know, when Peter said, we're supposed to be a peculiar people, uh, a peculiar people, um, <laughs> yeah. they take that and, and, uh, and, and say, we're supposed to be so strange. And so, uh, you know, uh, away from the world, no, I get it. Like we should be in the world, not of the world. We shouldn't look like them. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't relate to them because at some point in time, we'll pull so far back God love the Amish people. There ain't nobody running to an Amish church saying, I want to be like them. Like they already have their community of Amish people. They seem to have a pretty good life, but they don't evangelize for their lifestyle because they can't, ain't nobody going to go and do that. Um, and so there's, you you can be, you gotta be peculiar, but you can't be that peculiar. Strange. Right. (laughs) Well, but again, as we've talked about in every, hopefully we don't have any Amish listeners. I don't, I I feel pretty confident. And I'm going to say, I think the reason people aren't running to Amish churches because they don't know where to find them. They don't have great websites. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But as we've talked about in every, every, you know, week or episode on, on worship is that you are going to use the songs and the styles that express how you feel that it, it, it seems weird to go heart language. Yeah. It's your heart language. It's if Jesus were standing right here, which, you know, we believe he is, but I mean, if, if we get to heaven, what are we going to do? What are we going to sing? And it's not going for some of us, it's not going to be brethren. We have met to worship for other people. It's not going to be, um, lion in the lamb or graves in the garden. you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, yeah, it's right. different. And Jesus is big enough to receive all of that worship. Yeah. And so it just seems so stupid to fight over what songs we should yeah. sing. I to know Jesus. one song that we won't sing when we get to heaven. Good, is, good father. No, oh. when we all get to heaven, <laughs> what a day of rejoicing that'll be. When this world is when the role is called that, up. Yeah. That song will be retired. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, uh, Jeff, you probably remember our, our previous church. You, know, you may not. It's been so long. But uh, at, uh, at at Clifton Park in Silver Spring, about seventy five percent of the church were non uh, natural American citizens, and yeah. and Haiti and, and India and so many yeah. different and, and so church, there would be yeah. times that we would sing a song that it was, everybody had it in their culture, like "To God Be the Glory," 
or how great thou art. And we would say, okay, on this verse, everybody just sing it in your native tongue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was just moving mm-hmm. to hear uh, all the different languages. And, and I, I don't know what style of music there's going to be in heaven. Uh, I think uh, we won't have preferences at that point. Right. <laughs> uh, and, I think we're going to dig it, whatever. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to dig it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be something like we've never heard. Yeah. But um, whatever you can imagine, you know, heaven's going to be better than that. Yeah. So that's, you know, yeah, it's not really a problem. I still think it's funny that there will probably be some people and <laughs> who go, I don't like this. Plugging their ears in this the back of the This is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and it's like, oh, dude, you got an eternity to get used yeah. to it. But that being said, for you, like, what are your favorite songs to sing in church? You know, historically, now, and and what do you think makes a good song for corporate worship, for personal worship? What should we be looking for? Wow, goodness, you know that's that's <laughs> it's really hard because I, I I really truly do like most styles of music. I don't like head banging music. I think we talked a little bit about what makes a good worship song. It, it's there's no Bible verse that says what it is. Uh, but I think there are some that don't lend themselves well to the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience. You know, the head-banging music is not one of them. But um, for the most part, uh, you can see beauty in, in many styles and, and expressions. I, I, I love a lot of the contemporary things that we do uh, in, in the 930 and sometimes 11. Um, for me personally, um, the, the, the hymns still have the have the strongest doctrinal depth yeah. sure yeah uh most contemporary things say one thing or two things really well mm-hmm. and it's profound but it's it it doesn't it doesn't have the meat of of a lot of the great old hymns yeah. uh and so uh and and also they're not as conducive to strong congregational singing i think sure uh, and so that's what i really love i love i love everybody's singing full-throated and, uh, you know, as, as many instruments as you can have playing. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for even some yeah. of the modern, like the Gettys, the modern yeah, hymn writers. Absolutely. They're still keeping yeah. the tradition going, if right. you will, right? and chalking their music full of doctrine. Yep. As absolutely, you said. absolutely. But that being said, and I'll come back to it, but one of the things that, that really meant a lot to me was a couple weeks ago, I want to say it was like two or three weeks ago, we were doing How He Loves Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a it's a good tune, but there's a lot of criticism from that song. Like people just somehow get annoyed with that one. Um, and like but like after worship, you just came up and you're like, man, there are very few songs that are that good. And yeah. I thought, you know, this is coming from somebody who leads a classic service, who does a mix of both hymns and modern. And yet you were going, this song is beautiful. Like this song has yeah. worth, yeah. Um, which I don't think a lot of people are willing to do they, they kind of like we're going to pick one side and we're going to shun everybody else who isn't or any other song that yeah. isn't from this year to this year and you are like that one's good that yeah, one's good yeah. that one's good you know just put it all in a pot and figure out what what is best yeah, yeah we sang a song yesterday in worship yeah. you alone deserve my worship it says that about 40 times yeah and and, and 400 times yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and i woke up this morning singing it. I, yeah, did, yeah, I didn't yeah, wake yeah. up singing holy 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 right you know, in your head there are there are songs that just bring out emotion that's all yeah. they do they don't have depth uh but they, they they say one thing beautifully and they say it enough so that it just it just grows on you yeah and um and and that's that's good too. Yeah. So you know, it's it's hard to say this is what makes for good music yeah. because uh, God can speak through so many different ways. What are some of your favorites? 
Like Glor- personal favorite. Glorious is the name. We sang Worthy of Worship yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Terry York is a good friend, the guy that wrote the words. Yeah. Uh, so th- that means a lot to me. It's a great song. Um, uh, but, but all the great solid hymns, you know, it yeah. is well. Uh, great is that faithfulness. You know, just the old ones as well as, as the new ones. You know, Lion and the Lamb. Uh, one of the ones that uh, is so rich in theology is the Christ, the sure and steady anchor. Yeah, it's just, which is just new. Strong, yeah. yeah, new song. Yeah. Strong poetic language. It just touches the you know the emotions. Yeah, uh, and powerful theology. So it's yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, you can tell that some thought went into yeah. this one, and and I mean, I think that is a valid criticism of a lot of modern music now, where they say modern worship music, where it's like we need to churn out another song. I know there are groups that are obligated to put out an album every year, and so it's yeah. like, oh, I need to write twelve worship songs. And about two of them are ones you go, oh, all right, that has value. The rest is like you were just putting filler versus, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to craft something with lyrical content that stirs you. And, and it's not just the music. I mean, I, and I think that's the, when you find those kinds of songs, those are, I mean, you hold on to those, um, that, oh, you know, oh, praise the name in Christ alone. Um, I mean, even Phil Wickham's Living Hope, I would consider mm-hmm. that to be a you know a hint yeah. where you go. This is has such rich theology and and uh, what's the other one? Jim loves it. Um, we do it all the time. Um, what is it? It's in three four. Come now, come now, found yeah, yeah, every yeah, blessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I can't <laughs> think of the name. You know, I mean, just which has, is like one of the oldest ones out there. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. and it's perfect. I mean, it the lyrics in it just got you and and you go. It's just no matter old, young, or new. It's it's just it yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know we're kind of starting to run low on time, but I want to ask you, like, how would you, as you evaluate what's happening in the church right now, like what, how is the church doing in regards to worship right now? Is it a high priority, low priority? Not, not as much. Big C or little C? Big. Big C. Yeah. Big C. Um, I think it's really hard right now. Uh, the, the part of church is, it, when I hear church, I think of family. And right now the family can't get together. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it is really hard uh, for any church. I, I think our church at Little C has done as well as can be done because we got you guys that are, that are gifted and, and, and know how to communicate over the technology that we have. Um, obviously, if we were in the old church style of big choirs, you know, uh, big church-centered events, uh, the location-centered events, then we would really be in trouble. And a lot of churches mm. are uh, uh, nowadays. I think the big church uh, is, is, is really struggling right now. Uh, one is because of just division. The culture right now is very divided in, in, in terms of just yeah. our belief systems, even within the Christian community. Yeah. And, and so we have to find ways to get past that. Um, but Unity also, really fuels corporate worship, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really does. And, and we're more and more we're we're just not connecting with one another, yeah. uh, and uh, and that's that's a, a tremendous challenge I think for us. But at the same time, you know, God works through uh, through trials, and, and yeah. our country has not really had a lot of trials like this. Sure, and uh, and so this is where true Christianity can can really step up. And, and yeah. it, it, it certainly weeds out the the chaff. Yeah. One of the things, this has been a challenge for us for sure, 2020 and, and, you know, COVID time and everything. One of the things that I'm really grateful for is 
because of your ministry, we are positioned to do something that almost no church that I know of is able to do, um, which is you set up for years uh, an amazing music ministry um, with choir, orchestra. Now, we can't do anything with choir right now, but you built up an orchestra of, of faithful, really top shelf musicians who at this point are looking for a place to play. And one of the things that we were able to do is, is to say, could we bring the orchestra alongside the modern service? And basically, you know, people don't do that. People don't have modern with classical and orchestra and, and, you know, it's either the orchestra and choirs over here, Mm -hmm. the band is over here, this is over there. But because of, the partnership that we have, we're able to go, let's take the best of everything and put them all together. And then what has happened is for almost, I'm not the last, but the last six months, mm-hmm. we have had a full orchestra with the modern worship band and it is supplemented yeah. in a way that makes the music come to life. Yeah. Like we, we've been able to go back and do songs that we had played out and uh, when you pair them with the orchestra, then all of a sudden the song becomes yeah, alive, yeah. and and that's just amazing. Yeah, I th- so I think to some degree, you know, like yep. Doctor H talked about a bit the the idea that um, worship comes not necessarily from the people on stage, but from the people in the audience. What adding the orchestra has done to some degree has increased the the number of worshipers. So even though we're sure. in a lot more of a condensed space like there are more people participating actively in producing the worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that helps add to the liveliness. Yeah. And it gives an energy. It energy, gives an energy. I think sound. And, and I think, so w- before we started this, I was up here working and you said, what is that music? And I said, it was the interstellar pod or the sound yeah. soundtrack, Nerd. which is just all pipe organ, which I love pipe organ. I think yeah. I don't, I don't know why the church started bringing in pipe organ, but for me, I know it fills me. Yeah. Like when you go into a cathedral and they just whoa, they lay onto a pipe organ, it fills you yeah. and it really does right. enhance. Like you were mentioning earlier, uh, when you emote, you feel it inside. I mean, <laughs> like good music, mm-hmm. I feel it inside. And right. uh, as you're talking about adding the orchestra, for me, uh, you know, when you put the horns and you put the strings in there, you feel it inside. Yeah. 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 It, there's a lot happening. It gives the music depth. Yeah. And, it, and it just makes you feel like, man, I, I'm... I'm a part of something that's happening and it's, and it just, I mean, it, it's almost overwhelming the sound. Um, yeah, but we could not have done that if, if we were just to say, we are going to only deal with the genre of music. You know, we kind of pigeonhole ourselves mm-hmm. and say, this is the music we're going to play. We're only going to play elevation. We're only going to play Bethel. We're only going to play Hillsong or Crowder or Wickham and, and anything else that happens outside the, the realm of that is not valid. Right. And, and what, we have been able to do is marry both styles and say, listen, these songs actually have a lot more meaning and power behind it. When you use a lot of different styles of worship and instrumentation. Um, And so that's uh, like, I'm, I'm super grateful for that because it has made us better. Um, It's made me a better musician in terms of just trying to figure out, Oh man, how do I communicate to these people who are real musicians? Uh, and that's that's been that's been something else. Well, let's say it's speaking of marrying the classic with the modern. Then here's my latest challenge to you that I'm going to put out there publicly. Edit this, Josie. Yeah. Mark so it <laughs> it's a duck every time yeah. at the end. We always like we honor a good Christian person, basically. And so today's is ML- it going to be me? No. Today's MLK <sighs> Day. I'm going to go back to the original Martin Luther and say the a mighty fortress is our God, which is one of those anthems, right? That's like a high church anthem. 
make that modern. See if you can't do that. Take the orchestra. Shane and yeah. Shane has to have done this. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> just... <laughs> make that <clears throat> make that six hundred year old hymn <clears throat> modern. Yeah. I mean, somebody did it. I gotta yeah. find back who did. It. But I mean, it has a weird time signature and yeah. and time changes that yeah. are you know. The, yeah, the, the phrases are uneven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, uh, Jeff went through a phase, a ska phase where you take any song mm-hmm. and yeah. you just sing it higher and faster and louder. And yeah, it just, yeah, yeah. 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 Just yeah, out of out of and, horn. Yeah, and, and that's it, that's why we use horns now. Like I'm just trying to get everyone into ska worship. Huh. Yeah. We're going to bring back the uh, the insiders and uh, supertones. It's going to be it's going to be great. <laughs> Pops, before we wrap this out, yeah. do you have any other worship wisdom you want to share? Or did you did we drain the tank? No, guys. I you know I think uh, at the heart of it all, you have to experience the presence of of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you know we we talk about God a lot in worship, but uh, but for the Christian, it's it's really a Christ centered uh, experience. And and um, and realizing every time I go to worship, you know, at, at, uh, at really what we call corporate worship, is really an overflow of personal worship. If, if all you do is just worship once a week uh, for an hour, then probably it's not going to be very deep. Um, when you come in already hungry and, and, uh, and, and ready to experience God in, in, in the community of the believers, uh, you, you come in with already an awareness that God is going to be there yeah. just yeah. by, by uh, the fact that he's promised us that he is. And then you go there just expecting to experience God in His fullness, and uh, and not just be an observer, but you're a participant. And yeah. uh, and and when you go away, you don't just critique, you know, what went on. You you realize I was changed because I was in the presence of God. That you know, if if you don't experience that, you don't get past the first step. <laughs> Nothing yeah. else can happen if you don't experience the presence of God. You're not ready to hear from God. You're certainly not ready to make a decision for God. Yeah. Uh, but you have to experience his presence. Yeah. Genius. So we're going to move into a time of confession. Uh, and, and this is a time where we uh, share our really, really dirty sins. Uh, so <laughs> no, can, so I'll, I'll go first and then, uh, and then the rest of you can jump in as you need to. Um, we referenced worship wars and, and that really happened right at the time that I was jumping into ministry that there was about three months where I was doing um, classic piano driven worship. And then the pastor at the first church I was at said, man, we really need to make a change. We need to go to, you know, guitars. We need to go to a band, you know, pull some people. That's back up. when you were in suit and tie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, yeah. Uh, and he said, and so we, we moved off that. I mean, it was a, such a big deal. The week that I moved to khakis <laughs> that I moved to khakis <laughs> and Brown shoe, like Brown sketchers as opposed Flat to or pleated. They, they were pleated. Back they were then. both. Yeah. yeah, they were both. Um, but, but yeah. And, <laughs> and so that was kind of like thrown into the deep end really, really fast. Cause I didn't really have a full theology and understanding of worship. And then also I had to pivot and walk everybody through a worship change. And that didn't go well, uh, at the first church I was in. And then it struggled a lot when we moved here because people felt like it was threatening, um, the their preferred style of worship that we were just going to overthrow and say that all this is not. And so I think what happened with me is that I, I got really bitter towards a lot of people who I was just trying to exercise my calling that God had given to me. And there were people who were saying, this is not valid, that this is not real worship. And I'm going, 
it feels like real worship to me and it mm. feels like real worship to the other people who are experiencing it. And I'm, I'm trying my best to honor the Lord. And there were people who just said, no, we don't, we don't value this and there's no value. And so I ended up just really getting kind of having a sense of a lack of unforgiveness towards people who had just hurt me by saying this is not real. And, uh, and, and so that, that is something I've kind of had to deal with and I'm grateful uh, that we're not there anymore. Maybe because they view me as an old person now that, <laughs> that they're, uh, that they, they, they accept it. But that, that was a, that was something that I, I need to work on and still need to let go like 20 years later. Cause there were people that I just was like, forget you. Anybody else got anything? Yeah. I just, just in response, first of all, I think both you and Tim have grown up in this church mm-hmm. and, and that's part of that hurdle. I think that both of you had to, to get past that, uh, to, to, to have people see you as, as mature leaders. And cause you know, you, you were just goofy, goofy guys that people wondered if you're going to survive much less yeah. amount to anything. <laughs> and and we're so still wondering that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's, uh, you guys have, 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 I think have earned that. And, uh, and, and, and certainly you're seen as leaders now. I, my just just honest confession, you know, all my life I've I've felt God's, you know, uh, calling God's leadership in in terms of what I was doing, and I'm I'm pretty much at the phase now in my life where I don't know what God is doing <laughs> next. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, you know, there's a there's a transition coming I know in my life. Uh, just you know, look at my calendar and, and realize <laughs> I'm getting old. And, and and part of getting old is just realizing God still has a plan for me, but it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what that different is. So I just have to trust that uh, I'll know when the time comes and uh, and just trust that uh, he's not done with me. You know, as long as he wakes me up every morning, he's still not done with me, but yeah. it'll be different. And so that's, that's a for me, that is a different season of life. Yeah. And uh, uh, so... I'll confess for Joe, when you said I'm old, he yeah. shook his head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he he, he yeah. nodded along. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll just jump in with pretty much right in line with you guys to confess that it, when we were going through the worship war transition, if you will, here in this church, and, you know, Jeff and I were basically the same age, even though you're much mm-hmm. older than I, yeah. uh, we, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I grew up it, loving the hymns. I still love the hymns. Uh, I grew up loving the the uh, emergence of modern worship music, and I love the modern worship music. But in the middle of the worship wars, there were times when, even though I love both traditions, I acted like I didn't like the 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 old classic hymns, if you will, just because I'm a counter puncher by nature sometimes. And so, in the middle of some of those, you know, I, I guess it's when you're young, you're, you're allowed to be stupid. Sometimes I was stupid when I was young sometimes. And I was kind of a, you know, get on board or get out of the way kind of a, you yeah. know, thing like, Hey, this is we're this is what we're doing. So, uh, you know, eventually you guys aren't going to be here and I'll still be here. And so, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can't say that, um, can't say that I was always loving in my interactions in the middle of those really sharp conversations of people that had preferences that they were trying to make requirements mm. and instead of me coming from a loving biblical mm, stance i instead just punched back and sure. said you know you're stupid yeah that's for, yeah i mean and and that's yeah. kind of our bent is when it particularly i think when people find when people confront you and say what you are experiencing is not valid mm-hmm. then you want to make them feel like no it is and it's not right for you to tell me that but it is so hard to approach that with grace I'm I'm personally trying to imagine Tim telling you know like some old guy back 20 years ago you know like, when 
Uh, how do I say this joke? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not figuring it out. Before Someday you start in talking. the future, I will stand on your grave playing Phil Wickham. Like, <laughs> and now know. he's like, I love Fanny Crosby and Larry Norman. Yeah, yeah not yeah. sure I said yeah. that. But yeah, I, no, I get you. <laughs> I, I get you. So as someone that grew up during those worship wars, yeah. I was like five years old in the, the, the time where we actually started having a, a contemporary service here at Faith. Um, I find it hard, and this kind of goes hand in hand with something like other confessions I've had alluded to earlier. Like, I already find it a struggle to to worship in a contemporary setting. I also find it incredibly more difficult to worship outside of a contemporary um, congregational setting. So, like, I already find it difficult to worship in a group. It's a lot harder when I'm trying to deal with like a new style outside of that group, even though I'm the guy that like loves talking about other denominations and stuff. I still, I still feel fairly uncomfortable when I go and experience those other styles. You you love the idea of liturgical worship, but once you're in it, you feel uncomfortable in it is what you're saying. Correct. Got it. Yeah. I'm a hypocrite. Massive hypocrite. Concept. (laughs) At least you know it. Yeah. That's good confession. Anybody got a good Christian person or people? I got one. I mentioned Martin Luther um, and a mighty fortress is our God. There's a, a line in that uh, that hymn that's speaking to me now that you know some 500, 600 years later is still ringing true. Uh, Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. So I, uh, I thank Martin Luther for those words. Amen. Amen. So Pops, um, I know you don't listen to this episode or this show at all. If you had, you would know that on the second worship episode, you were actually my great Christian person. Um, so I'm not going to do that again because now you're looking at me and that would be super weird. And I'd probably start crying, which I get made fun of for doing a lot. Um, so I want to, so we've had three episodes. This is our third episode where we've talked about our good Christian or great Christian person. Um, the first one I honored was pops, uh, in terms of the three people who have impacted and shaped my understanding of worship, corporate and personal, my music ministry, uh, pops, your number one, David Crowder is up there. <laughs> uh, third one that I want to do is, um, somebody that, that we all know and we all love dearly. Uh, and, and he is a gentle giant. I'm throwing it out to my boy, Justin Dietz, uh, this coming September he will not, he, he was with me when I, when I started my first uh, church, not start my first church, but transitioned the first church 21 years ago, we've been playing and leading worship together. Um, people who see him, he's a beautiful bald man that, that leads with me. Uh, he is an incredible guitarist. Um, he is, is super talented. Um, but he, I have never come across a guitar player who understands worship the way he does. Um, he loves old and new stuff. Uh, but more than anything, he is so sensitive to the tone of what is happening in worship. Um, he is careful to, I mean, he, he could shred every single Sunday and he holds back because he serves the worship that's taking place and he knows how to read the room. And there are times where he's like playing and you don't even realize he's playing cause he's just, he's flowing with the music. And, um, one of the things that I'm super grateful for is that he has probably been the person in my life in terms of ministry who has said no to me the most. Like I'll come with him, I'll come to him with a really crazy idea and be like, dude, I think we need to try this. And he's got so much wisdom when it comes to worship that he's just like, I don't think we should do that. I don't think this is going to, I don't think it's going to work. This is not going to work the way you think it is. And, and sometimes I listen and half the time I don't. 
And I'm not kidding when I say every single time I don't listen to him, he's right. Uh, he's always, he's always like, yeah. And and it doesn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. And then he, and he doesn't even say, yep, I told you so, which he <laughs> totally could. And I tell him, I know you told me that this wasn't going to work. Uh, but I just, I'm so humbled to, to know someone who understands worship and, and his, and has helped me lead people in a way, uh, with such sensitivity. So, uh, Dietz, if you ever listen to this, uh, super grateful, uh, to you, you're an amazing guitar player and an even better worship leader. Pops, you got anything? Yeah, I, I, amen to, to, to Dietz. He's another one of those guys you wonder if he was going to ever survive, but uh, yeah. he, tur- he turned out. I, I, uh, Especially if, so if, he yeah. used to have hair yeah. longer than most women, <laughs> like, and now he's he's a beautiful bald man. Yeah. It just cracks me up. I, uh, so many people in this church that have just uh, ministered and strengthened me over the years, but uh, Willie Evans uh, has gone on to mm-hmm. be with the Lord. He, every time he prayed, it was just like he's, having a conversation with, with the guy next standing next to him. Yeah. And he just, he had that ability to just talk to God in a way that, uh, that he knew God deeply and personally. And it always just impressed me at how he just, uh, he just prayed such honest, open everyday prayers. Mm. And, and, and I, one of the events that really changed my life, uh, five, was it five years ago? I went with the, our, our team to India, um, it was like and, eight years ago. Oh my goodness! Anyway, it was long, <laughs> <laughs> long time, and, and uh, there was a, a, a. I was teaching a, a Bible lesson to about probably oh sixty or seventy kids sitting on the concrete floor, through an interpreter. So I would I would say a phrase and he'd, he'd, he'd you know say the phrase and and, uh, uh, and 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 then I I was telling about the Paul and Silas in in, in prison and, and having been beaten, and I'm telling the story. And uh, how they had, uh, you know, they had been told not to preach, and they said, well, we, we, we can't stop preaching. That's, that's, that's the good news that God's called us to do. And so they said, well, if you don't stop preaching, we're going to beat you and we're going to put you in prison. And so they, they did, and they, uh, they were in prison at midnight, and they're singing. And as I'm telling this story, I look at these boys and girls, and, and they're looking at me like, okay, yeah, that's, that's what you do. Uh, mm-hmm. As Christians, you just, you know, you get, you get persecuted for your faith okay what's next and and you and, and they're singing in prison okay that's what you do when when mm-hmm. you're being persecuted and i just i started tearing up and and the the kids looking at me like what's wrong with this man you know and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> and, and i had to explain to the kids i said guys you don't understand in my country we have so much we have so much uh blessings and uh and yet we don't have the joy that you have mm. Uh, you don't understand what what joy is until you go and you see the faces of these kids that have nothing. They 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 go home to no food. They get one meal a day at, at you know David's uh, you know, ministry, and um, they go home to to dirt floors to nothing. And yet they have joy. Mm. And and when they sing, when they praise God, they jump up and down. They wave their arms. They 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 just exude joy. And I thought I don't have that joy mm. in myself and and it it really caused me to look at my own understanding of, of God's blessing to me and then what really what really does bring joy and the kind of joy that can't be taken away by stuff mm. and uh, and that's uh, that's changed me I think in terms of uh, how I look at worship uh, that regardless of what may be happening at the present time uh, there's still reason for joy there's always reason for joy you put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah. 
Pops, thank you so much for being a part of this. We love uh, having you in and helping us wrap up this series. I know I speak for the three of us in the room, and I speak for a whole lot of people when I say that um, we are better people and closer to Jesus because of you. And so we are so grateful that uh, you said yes to going to get ice cream with Walter Johnson (laughs) and then said, I'm going to turn this into a ministry. He was a pretty good pitcher, by the way, too, Walter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Guys, thank you so much for uh, taking a listen and hanging with us through this series. If you haven't already, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GCP Pod. And we would love to hear from you, especially Council Bluffs, good Christian pod at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to kick off a brand new series on race. The whole month of February, we're going to welcome guests in as we discuss the complicated history of race, particularly in the American church and how we can work to bring about racial reconciliation as Christ has called us to. Until then, be good. You've been listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode is recorded on January 18th, 2021 by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to find more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on Facebook and Twitter at at GCPpod. That it drives you batty. The fact that I can I can constantly <laughs> hear myself breathe. I have to go through the podcast before we release now and edit out my nose breath because I can just hear it. One thing that I I hate bodily noises and Buck Showalter was the old Oriole coach and every single time he had a it's, it would sit for a post game interview he had a squeaky nose and it drove me nuts. He would just sit there. All right, any you know who, who's got the next questions. You know, it was just, he's just breathing. It would squeak. I don't know how, how can he sleep? How does his wife sleep? (laughs) Right. If I was sitting there trying to fall asleep and it was just squeak, 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 I'd be done.